Thank you so much for your giving this morning. Again, we're glad you're here. Um, just one more time, can you let um, Caleb and the choir and all the vocalists know how much you appreciate them? Super proud of them and their work this week definitely paid off, sounded amazing, anointed. How I many of you can sound good, but if you don't have the anointing, you don't have what you need. Uh, they sounded good and were anointed as well, and so we, we give God praise for that. Um, we kicked off Christmas at Bethesda last week uh, talking about relearning rest, relearning rest. And the feedback from that message was a little overwhelming. Um, apparently, it struck a nerve with a lot of different people, um, I guess, in this season of life, and specifically the holiday season. Uh, it seemed to hit home with a lot of people. And what we're trying to do with this series uh, in particular is that we want this series to help people navigate this season. Uh, and not just navigate it, we want you to be able to navigate it in a spiritual way. Uh, we've been addressing the reality that this season claims to be the most wonderful time of the year. That's what it claims. But a lot of us, we come out on the other side of this season and we have less money, less peace, and less energy. Um, the holiday, uh, which means holy day, uh, this season is one that leaves many people feeling hollow. Uh, there's often an emptiness that is attached to this season because of the demands placed on us. And I don't know when it happened or how it happened, but somewhere along the way we lost the heart of what is supposed to make celebrations so satisfying. We learned last week in that message that God is a God of celebration. And there is a way to go about celebrating in a way that honors God, and it's also peaceful for us. And I think many times in this season, what we do is we, we feel our schedules, we feel our Amazon cart, and we feel our bellies, but we come out on the other side feeling empty. And so I want us to, to navigate this season in a spiritual way, and let's not come out on the other side hollow or empty, but let's restore what it means to be in relationship with Christ and what this, this season means to us. I think today's message may be the most important of the four messages I'm going to preach this month, um, because I want to talk to you about how to encounter God how to encounter God. And if I were to put a title on this, it would simply be a fresh encounter. How many of you could use a fresh encounter with God this Christmas season? Anybody, could you, could you benefit from that? I, I can definitely benefit from that. And I don't, I don't know how it is for you, but uh, there are a lot of different reasons as to why we should love the holidays. And I could go down a long spiritual list, but uh, I want to be um, not so spiritual, but maybe a little carnal for a minute. Uh, my favorite part, one of my favorite parts of the holidays is the food. Can I get a witness? Like, I, I'm all about, like, the food, the meals. What are we going to eat? Uh, my staff will tell you, and we, if we gift the staff, sometimes we'll gift them with, with uh, sweet treats. Um, I have a sweet tooth, especially this time of year. Uh, I like all the, like the peanut butter balls at Christmas. Y'all feel me, right? Uh, how about the Oreo ones? I could eat 42 of those and not feel guilty. All right, the red velvet ones. I'm leaving. I'm going to go eat. I'm hungry. Um, but I, I love the sweet treats, um, and I, I love the, the holiday meals, and 
Uh, but one of the things that, that has happened to us in the past is that we've wanted to make a dish or a dessert. And let me know if this has ever happened to you guys. Have you ever been uh, trying to create a recipe? You wanted to make something. There was something you really wanted, only to find out that you had all the ingredients, but you are missing maybe one main ingredient. Anybody ever been there? Like you got everything, but you're missing the one main ingredient. And you know what that means. It means you've got to get out of your Christmas PJs, and you're going to have to go. Some of y'all don't even care. I've seen you in Walmart in your Christmas PJs. You're not even going to change clothes and put on real pants. You're just going to go get it. Uh, but you've got to stop what you're doing, and you've got to go get the main ingredient to make this thing possible. And I think for a lot of people, we go through this, this holiday season, which means holy days, and they remain hollow because we're missing the main ingredient. The holidays are hollow, not because we lack gatherings or activities or calories. We, we got plenty of all of that. But I think sometimes they remain hollow because we're missing the main ingredient, and the main ingredient is God. I want to encourage you this December not to go through this season and forget uh, the main thing. How many know God is still the main thing? He is the reason for the season. If we don't get everything on the list that we need to get done this, this year, let's definitely not leave God off the list and make sure that we encounter him this month. If you want to do that, can you put your hands together if you want to make sure that we don't leave out the main ingredient? So I'm going to talk to you about that because um, the reality is, is most people enjoy Christmas, but they never engage Christ. They put up lights, but they remain in a spiritually darkened state. They attend religious events but never advance in their relationship with Christ. The question becomes, how, how can that happen? How can we be around the things of Christ, have a holiday named for Christ, decorate with things that point to Christ, and then miss Christ? John chapter 4, verse 24 tells us, For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. This tells me that decorations and events and labels are not enough. That if we want to experience a holy day, you have to approach it spiritually. After all, you cannot have a holy day without encountering a holy God. See, that's easier, though, said than done. I think a lot of times we have a desire to encounter God, to have this fresh encounter, to know him more intimately, but I don't want to be the kind of pastor that over-promises and then under-delivers because living a spiritually vibrant life is not easy. That if you're going to be close to Jesus and you're going to have a, a fresh relationship with Jesus, how many of you understand it's going to take intentionality on your behalf? that you're not going to accidentally stumble into an intimate walk with Jesus, that it's going to take some tenacity, it's going to take some intentionality, that you're going to have to pursue the things of God. And so I'm not claiming this morning that being spiritually vibrant and having fresh encounters with Jesus on a daily basis is easy, but I am saying it's something that we should be pursuing. And for being honest, for a lot of us, we, we say things like, I want to know him. I want to worship him. I want to have a fresh encounter. But for you, maybe you're in this room this morning, and for you, worship is a struggle. You're a little bit uncomfortable when it comes to worship. 
uncomfortable lifting your hands or singing. Uh, some of us, we, we only sing when we're in the shower. You know, uh, we don't want to be heard by anyone else, but not this choir today. Amen. Well, they, they sounded great. Um, but sometimes we struggle with worship. For others, maybe prayer is a challenge for you. Um, and I don't, I don't want you to, to take that as a criticism, but for some people, prayer is a challenge. They find that secret place, that quiet place with God. They get there, and, and, and you know, they want to pray, but in, in that time of prayer, they don't know what to say or how to say it. Uh, you, they don't really know what God wants out of this intimate time. For some of you, it's reading the Bible is a challenge. You, you, you start out with the scriptures, but you end up on TikTok. You end up distracted. I want to read the Bible, but we end up Googling something else or uh, going to Amazon and going ahead and looking for the Christmas gift that we need to get, and, and it, whether it's because of the pronunciations or the uh, genealogies or the Levitical law, we, we get a little distracted and we don't stay with it. Being spiritual is not a breeze, but it's worth it. It's kind of like the conversation Jesus had with Peter one day. In John chapter 6, the Bible tells us there were thousands of people following Jesus. But Jesus kind of uh, threw everybody a curveball because it seemed as if as long as he was feeding people with the, the bread and the fish and performing miracles and healing the sick, it was like thousands of people were following him. But one day Jesus looked at the crowd and he said, he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part with me. And the Bible says that thousands of people walked away from their faith. They were like, we ain't following this guy. He's crazy. Like, they all left, and which prompted Jesus to ask the disciples a question. And in John 6, starting in verse 67, he says, you do not want to leave, leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And Simon Peter answered him. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And I think what Peter was saying is that it's not easy. We understand the message you just preached, the message you just taught is not easy, but we understand that only your word can fill our hearts, that, that only you can bring spiritual life to us. We're not interested in going through the motions or having a religious activity. Jesus, we want to know you. We want a fresh encounter with you. And I just got to wonder if this Christmas season for anyone, if you're ready to to get past going through the motions and another religious activity that leaves you empty to where we just say, God, we want you. We want a fresh encounter of your presence. We want to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. If we don't get anything out of this season, let us know you more intimately. You're the one we want. You're the one we want to hear from. And only an encounter with your spirit will satisfy. Encountering God is a non-negotiable. Listen, if you, if you attend church and hear sermons and sing songs and you don't have fresh encounters with God, you will become religious, dry, and dead. You can sit in church and dry up if you don't have fresh encounters with God. God has an abundant life waiting for you, but you got to be willing to pursue it. 
And so many times in this time of year, we're making sure we got all the Christmas lists and all the parties and all the events and everything checked off and we're all stressed out about it. But here's the thing, don't leave God off the list. As a matter of fact, if he's not one, he's not on your list at all. He won't be second, he won't be third, he won't be 42nd. He's got to be Lord of all or, or not Lord at all. And we have to prioritize this relationship. Over the years, I've learned that we often miss encounters with God because our approach is too narrow. I read about this general practice doctor who had this habit of prescribing the same medicine for every ailment. Whether it was a migraine, an ankle sprain, or heartburn, he prescribed the same medication for every single patient. Until one day, one of his patients went and got a second opinion, and his malpractice was found out. And I tell you that story because I think over the last few decades, many preachers and teachers have been guilty of the same malpractice. Over and over, we give Christians the same spiritual prescriptions. You want to encounter God? It normally starts with, get up early. Read a couple scriptures and pray. We call it devotional time. We call it quiet time. And we give the same prescription. It's like a one-size-fits-all for everyone all the time. And I think we, we have become so narrow in our approach of a fresh encounter with God that we often miss our encounters. We, it becomes so restrictive and stale. And so I want to give you four steps to a fresh encounter this morning. Four steps that will give you a fresh encounter with God. Number one, discover your distinctive. Discover your distinctive. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus answered. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So scripture is very clear that there is one way to God, and that is Jesus. How many know there is no other way, no, no matter what the world says, what culture says, what the internet says, what Oprah says? How many, at the end of the day, there's one way to God, and his name is Jesus. If that's offensive, we don't apologize. There's only one way. He's the way. He's the truth, and he's the life. One way to God. Only one way. But what many believers don't realize is that there are many ways to engage God. One way to God, Jesus, but many ways to engage God. Scripture tells us that the same God is present from Genesis all the way through Revelation, yet people worship God in many different ways. If you were to look at Abraham in the Old Testament, he, his worship... Um, was, was presented to God in the fact that he built altars. Everywhere Abraham went, he built an altar, and that was his worship to God. Moses and Elijah, they revealed an activist streak in their confrontations of evil. David celebrated God with enthusiastic worship while his son Solomon expressed his love for God through generosity. Mordecai demonstrated his love for God by caring for the people around him. And Ezekiel and John were creative, seeing God through colorful images and stunning sounds. And just like we have different personalities and different gifts, we also have distinct ways that our spirit engages with God. Jesus' death opened up the way to God, but your distinctive opens your heart to God. In his book entitled Sacred Pathways, um, Gary Thomas, he lists several ways that 
are several different categories that people engage or connect with God. And he lists these nine things out. You may want to jot these down because I'm hoping when I get through these nine things real quick that you will find yourself in one of the nine. And maybe it will bring understanding as to why you connect with God the way you do. The first on the list was the naturalist. He talks about the naturalist. These are people who would actually prefer to leave the building so that they could enjoy God outdoors. A walk through the woods, a walk by the river, a walk on the beach. It's there that they hear God and see God and worship God. That creation screams to the, to the naturalist that God is real. There is the sensates, and these are the people that engage with God through their senses. They want to be lost in the beauty and in the splendor of God. They are drawn to the majestic, to the grand. They notice things like architecture and music and the arts, and these things cause their hearts to soar. It, it, it's, they, it's like they were made to create, and as they create, that is worship unto God. There is the traditionalist, which is where uh, a lot of church people fall, is the traditionalist. And there's, this is not in a critical way, but these are the people that have a desire for ritual and structure. They want things to be organized. They engage through disciplines, fasting, liturgy, and sacraments. It's the order that helps them to connect with God. There's the ascetics, which want nothing more than to simply be left alone. Take away the outside world, the noise, and the distractions. They sense God in silence, in solitude, in simplicity. If they can put out the distractions and get away from people, they feel like they can worship. There is the activist. The activists are probably my favorite on the list because they, they are the people who worship God uh, as, as um, they see God as a God of justice. And so oftentimes their favorite scripture would be Jesus going into the church and whipping everybody out of it. Uh, they would quote Peter cutting the ear off the soldier. You know, they are activists. They feel like if we can confront the evil of our day that we are worshiping God. There's the caregivers, and that's pretty simple. They just worship God through the way they care and love people. For some people, that's draining, but for a caregiver, that is worship unto God and recharges their batteries. The enthusiasts, they engage through joyful celebrations and conversations. They love expression, singing, laughing, and sharing. The louder, the bigger, the more energy, the better. The eighth uh, part of this is the contemplative. Time in God's presence is top priority. They engage through the most intimate concepts of God as father and bridegroom and closest friend. They desire a deep and pure relationship with God and are never happier than when they are loving him. And the last on the list are the intellectuals. These are the people that worship God with their minds. They need their minds to be stirred for their hearts to come alive. They love to study. They love to learn and listen. They feel closer to God when they learn something new about him. They live to memorize, to teach, or, or, or to be challenged. And I gave you that list real quick because I don't know which one of these you are, but you should. You should know how you connect with God, how you engage with him. 
Because discovering that is going to open a whole new door to encountering God for you individually. Because here, here's what we do with corporate worship. We all come together, the body of Christ comes together together to worship God, and this is important. But a lot of us, we do this on Sunday, and then the other six days of the week, we, we don't do anything personally. And part of that is because we don't know what makes us distinct. We, we don't know if, if it's a walk by the river that we need to connect with God or if we need to put away the phone because we connect with God through silence or solitude. But whatever it is, you've got to find what makes you distinct so that you can have a fresh encounter with God. You've got to discover your distinctive. Secondly, you've got to create the time. Hit your neighbor and tell them, create the time. It was uh, an American doctor who coined the phrase or the term New York-itis, New York-itis, to describe an illness that symptoms included edginess, mental fog, impulsiveness, and chronic fatigue. At the time, he said it was a disease which affects a large percentage of the inhabitants of Manhattan Island. And here's what's very interesting. He coined that phrase, 1901. 1901. Can you imagine what he would think of us now? See, maybe more than anything else, our frenetic pace keeps us from encountering God. Sin is a problem. I get it. And a lot of preachers want to spend every sermon preaching against sin. And I I get that at some level. But I, I need to remind us all, Jesus already handled the sin. Anybody thankful that Jesus handled your sin? Like he handled it. So it's not that sin hasn't been handled. I think sometimes it's our pace of life. That keeps us from encountering God. That's why we preached a whole message on rest last week. Consider that I just shared nine ways for you to encounter God, each different from the other, yet all of them share one common thread. They don't work without time. They don't work without time. Knowing what practice connects you to God doesn't matter if you never have time to practice it. And I know that a lot of you sitting in this room this morning watching online, you're like, I'm busy. I've got this demand and that demand. I've got to be here. I've got to be there. And it's hurry that hurts our soul. Carl Jung wrote, he said, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. For many of us, the great danger that we have is not that we're going to renounce our faith. It's that we become so rushed that we settle for a mediocre version of our faith. Our faith lacks passion. It lacks vibrancy because we rush from one one thing on our list to the next and we never stop to consider how awesome and how amazing our God truly is and then pursue him and connect with him at a deeper level. N.T. Wright says it's only when we slow down our lives that we can catch up to God. I love that. It's only when we can slow down our lives that we can catch up to God. You can have as much of God as you want. I'll take it a step further. You have, right now, as much of God as you want. God is no respecter of persons. What he did in one person's life, he will do in your life. 
If he made himself known to John the Baptist and Elijah and all the other prophets, he will make himself known to you. But you've got to lean in, as PK said. You've got to lean in and choose to be intentional. See, it's a proven pattern that God keeps all throughout Scripture that he gives us the privilege, and it is a privilege, of creating space that he will fill. It's a privilege that God has given us that if you will create the space, whatever space you create, I will fill that space. We see it when Moses made a box. We call it the Ark of the Covenant. God came and then filled that box. The Levites made a tent. We call it a tabernacle. God filled the tabernacle. Solomon built a temple, and God filled that temple. Mary and Joseph provided a manger, and God filled the manger. The disciples provided an upper room, and the upper room got filled by the presence of God. And in Acts chapter 2, the disciples gave themselves, and God filled every single one of them. I want to encourage you in this season to create the space, and I promise you, God will not disappoint, but he will fill every space you create, every container you create. He will fill it with his presence. Go ahead and give him a praise if you believe he will fill the space that we provide. We've got to create the time. The only way to create time is to decline the unending demands that attack our day. You got to learn this, and listen, for some of you, this will be worship. This will be worship. By learning the art of saying no, that can be your worship to God, and here's how that works. When you learn the art of saying no instead of saying yes to everything, sometimes you got to say no because when you say no to this, it's an automatic yes to this. There is power in your no. That's why the scripture says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Hey, no is not a negative thing. Some of you need to learn, especially in December, you keep saying yes to everything. Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. And then about three days before Christmas, your family would love for you to move out because you're losing your mind. And it's because you said yes to everything. And God was wanting you to say no to some of the things so that you could say yes to him. Merry Christmas. Just here to encourage. All right. Discover your distinctive. Create the time. Number three, activate your awareness. Activate your awareness. Um, did you know that colorblindness almost only affects men? I didn't know that. But there's another... Um, condition that seems to only affect males. It's called CFS. You say, what is CFS? It's called can't find stuff syndrome. Can't find stuff. It's, it's where the male is rendered helpless because he cannot find household items without the help of a female who usually comes in and locates the missing household item that was right in front of his face the whole time. I, you know, for, for years, you know, I used to think Karen must hide that in her pocket because she's like, I need you to go 
uh, get this. And I, I, now I just get nervous. When she says, go get this for me, it's in this room, blah, 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 blah. I go in, I already know, I'll never find it. It's, any of you men know what I'm talking about? Like you, like you pull out everything, you go through the whole drawer. She said, that drawer, you pull it all out. It's all laid out. It's not here. You put it all back in, you go and say, it's not there. They walk in, two seconds later, she said, it was right there. I told you. Like, you had that in your pocket the whole time. I know you did. And listen, listen to me. As annoying as it is, when we can't find the socks that are right in front of our face, it's more troublesome when we're blind to the God who fills time and space, and we can't see him, we're not encountering him, and we're not aware of him. And many of us, we go into religious activity without perception. i got to open up my spirit. I've got to activate my awareness of God's greatness. It's not enough for the, the songs to simply pass over my lips, to sit in a service or even take a walk in creation. I can do all of those things and not perceive him. And that's why a lot of people are stuck in religion. That's why David wrote in Psalms chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, he said, I consider, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them and human beings that you care for them? Consider is the key word. David considered. He didn't jump into a song, a verse, or a service, or a study. He paused to simply consider who God is, and it activated him to see God in everything. We've all seen the stars, but it's life-changing when you consider God created all the stars and calls them by name. We've all listened to music, but it becomes life-altering when you recognize there is no melody that did not originate from God himself. Most of us have seen the ocean. But it becomes transformational when you, you're confronted with the fact that every drop of the ocean is held in his hand. We pass people. We pass crowds of people. But it's astounding to realize that God knows all 8 billion people on the planet. Not only does he know them, he, he has numbered the hairs on their head and orders their steps. We've all searched for an answer on our phone. But it is life-altering to consider that all knowledge on all subjects are intrinsically known to him. He did not learn it. He didn't even have to Google it. All the information in all the libraries of the world, on all the computer chips in all the world, God knows perfectly and completely right now. He knows all things. And I think when we take the time to ponder that, to be aware of what God is and who he is and what he's capable of, even today, you probably looked in a mirror before coming to church, but it's humbling to know that God sees everything about you, your past, what's dominating your mind, what hurts you're carrying from two years ago that, you, that are still on your heart. There is nothing that he doesn't know about you, and he still chooses to love you. See, there's nothing God does not know. That's his omniscience. There's nothing that, uh, there's no place that God does not exist. That is, that is his omnipresence. And there's nothing God cannot do. That is, his, that is his omnipotence. And when we become aware of that, spiritual practices become enjoyable. 
because we have the proper perspective of God. Discover your distinctive, create the time, activate your awareness, and finally, as the musicians come, you've got to express wonder. You've got to express wonder. Have you ever noticed how we naturally respond to certain levels of authority or certain levels of prominence? People will automatically, they don't have to be taught or trained, they will automatically stand when royalty enters the room. When the MVP of the major league steps up to the plate, people automatically, no one has to tell them to cheer, they just automatically begin to clap or cheer. A celebrity walks by, people stop. They take in the fact that this, is, this person is, is someone who's established. I believe that's a natural thing God put in us all, that we would respond to majesty. And I believe that God put that in us so that we would encounter him. God wants us to see him, but also respond to him. The problem is we stop at awareness instead of responding with expression. Before I get to where I'm going, worship is not worship until it's expressed. So many people in our culture, they come to a church like this that's loud and people have their hands lifted and their voices lifted and they're like, some people are a little uncomfortable because they don't understand that worship is not worship until it is expressed. All this, I'm worshiping in my heart. Shut up, you ain't worshiping. Try that with your wife. I, I tell her all the time I love her in my heart. I say it in here. I mean, at some point, it better come out of here. Out of here, right? It's got to be expressed. And so, since God is God, He gets to decide how He's going to be worshipped. Mark's Gospel, 12th chapter. Jesus shows us four ways God wants to be worshipped. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So the greatest commandment isn't to love God. The greatest commandment is to love God with all of me. That's the greatest commandment. So God says, I want to be worshipped four different ways. And most of us, we only worship God one way, and we usually pick the way we're most comfortable with. He says, but I, I want to be worshipped with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. It's only when I put away the phone and the distractions so that I can focus my mind. When I sing with my mouth that I can direct my heart, that I lift my hands, I'm engaging my body. And I do all of those things passionately to include my emotions. I am worshiping God His way. And we think that worship is only a benefit to God. But how many know worship is something we should do as an expression of our love for God, but it, it not only lifts God up and gives us the proper perspective, but how many worship is for our benefit. I cannot remain the same if I continue in a posture of worship. That when I worship, it changes my perspective. It changes my outlook on life. All through this expression of wonder, it gives me the right perspective. Dr. Robert Wilson was a professor of the Old Testament at Princeton Theological Seminary from 1900 to 1929. 
One of his students during that time was a famous preacher to be by the name of Donald Barnhouse. Twelve years after Barnhouse graduated, he was invited back to preach a chapel service at Princeton. And when he got up to preach, he noticed that his old professor, Dr. Wilson, was sitting on the front row. He talked to him and went up to Dr. Wilson after he got done preaching. And Dr. Wilson extended his hand to Barnhouse and he said, I'm glad that you are a big godder, a big godder. When my boys come back, I come to see if they are big godders or little godders. And then I know how their ministry will be. Not sure he understood his teacher's words, Barnhouse asked him to explain. Dr. Wilson said, well, some men have a little God. They're always in trouble with him. He can't do any miracles and he doesn't intervene on behalf of his people. I call them little godders. Then there are those who have a great God. He speaks and it is done. He commands and it stands fast. He knows how to show himself strong on behalf of those who fear him. He said, these are the big godders of which I am glad you are one. And I want to say to Bethesda Church and everyone watching online today, I don't care what we claim, our worship gives away if we are big godders or little godders, and that fact determines so much about our lives. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a little godder who thinks I got a little God that can't intervene or can't show up or can't do miracles, but I want to have the kind of worship that expresses not only my love for God, but the fact that I believe He has the ability to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ever ask or imagine. In this Christmas season, I want to encourage you, find the time to steal away. Don't put God on, down on the list. Put God number one on the list and watch and see. This Christmas season will be a whole lot less stressful than previous ones. I want you to stand to your feet all over the room today. I believe that you can have a fresh encounter with God. I believe we're going to have a fresh encounter this morning. Paul said in all of his accomplishments, and the Apostle Paul was very accomplished. And when I say very accomplished, I don't think that we really comprehend how accomplished he was. It's believed that he spoke fluently about 10 languages. I mean, that's impressive. That's impressive. This was not just some joker. I mean, this guy was educated, anointed. He could quote the first five books of the Bible all from memory. He planted churches. He raised the dead. He laid hands on sick people and they got healed. All these wonderful things. He was a true apostle of Christ. And he said in one of his letters to the church, he said, I have determined to do one thing, and that is to know, not plant more churches, not raise more dead people, not heal more sick people. He said, I've determined, I, I've set my mind on one thing. I want to know him more intimately. Listen, that kind of prayer when we begin praying prayers like, God, I want to know you more intimately, I promise you God will not disappoint. The scripture is very clear. We draw near to him, he will draw nigh to us. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. The one looking around for the next couple of minutes, I want to speak to people in this room today that the truth is you don't know him. You're not in right relationship with him. You're not prepared for eternity. 
You say, what does it mean to know Jesus, to be saved? Y'all talk about salvation. Like, what does it mean to be saved? To be saved is when a person comes to a place in their, in their life where they, they believe Jesus came as the Son of God, lived a sinless life, died in their place for their sins, and he got up on the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father, there to forever make intercession for his, for his kids. They believe that, but it's not just a prayer that we pray. Salvation is more than a prayer. Salvation is repentance from sin. I never want to leave this auditorium or this church building having uh, convinced you that if you said a prayer, you're saved. Salvation is when we turn from our will and our way of doing life. We pick up our cross, we deny ourselves, and we follow Jesus. We repent of the lifestyle we've been living, and we choose to follow Jesus. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. doesn't say it's going to make you perfect. But there should be a visible change in a person's life when they choose to follow Jesus. And so whether you've never done that before, or maybe you did at one time, but for whatever reason, you haven't been following Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you're under the sound of my voice or watching online, those in-house, if I'm talking to you and you want to know Jesus, repent of your sin, and secure your relationship with Jesus today, if that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Say, Pastor, you're talking to me. You're talking to me. Anyone at all. Thanks for this hand back here. God bless you. Anyone else? So, Pastor, that's me. I need to make things right with God. I need to get some things under the blood of Jesus. I need to repent. Anyone else? I don't want to move past this. I see this hand up here. God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? I want us to pray out loud together. Everybody lift your voice together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to save me, to forgive me. I repent of my sins, and I choose to follow you. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Jesus a big hand clap right there? So good. So good. Listen, that's so awesome. We celebrate those that are coming into relationship with Jesus. But listen, this place, we're about to go to another level in worship in this room. The choir has been prepping. They are anointed. I'm going to ask the prayer team and the staff to go ahead and get in place. And listen, let's turn this place into an altar, whether you're coming forward for prayer or just there in your seat. How many want to experience a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit over the next 10 minutes? Amen. Don't leave. Let's worship together.